0: Hello, everyone. I'm Walker Smith, class of 21, here with...
1: Sarah Teagarden.
0: All right. So today, one of our first questions is, why did you leave lawyering for teaching hooligans government? But before you answer that, sorry, I'd like to just let everybody know who you are. So I went to Harvard for government.
1: Yep. So you want a little background? So um, I grew up in Weatherford, Texas. I went on to Harvard and played softball up there and got my um, degree in government. After that, I went down to UT law school. And in law school, I got my law school degree. That was a weird way of saying that. So I graduated from law school, I took the bar, passed the bar. And I practiced for maybe not quite a year in Houston, before I realized that it was not my passion in life. It was not something that made me happy. Uh, My father had passed away. And One of his biggest things was not wasting your time. And so I felt like I was wasting my time being an attorney in the way that I was being an attorney at the time and and the areas that I was being asked to do work. Um, And so I decided not to do that anymore. And I packed up from where I lived in Houston and my cousin who was also an attorney down there with me and lived with me. Um, she was at a different law firm, but she and I went to law school together and then lived together in Houston. I called her and I said, Hey, so I just quit because I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. And she was like, Oh, great. I'll go quit. And so she quit the same day and we packed up our townhome. We drove up to Fort Worth. Our our final destination was Angel Fire, New Mexico. We were going to go be ski bums for a year and decide what we were going to do with our, um, growing debt and law school educations by being ski bums. And about two months before that, I had started seriously dating who is now my husband, Blake. So when I stopped by in Weatherford to unload all my stuff and told him that I was going to drive to Angel Fire and be a ski instructor, he said, I'm so happy for you. That's wonderful. I don't think long distance is a very good idea. And so I stayed. I didn't go. She did. She ended up going. But I ended up staying. I worked at um, a restaurant called Lanny's Alta Casina. It's now Righteous Food. And I worked there for Lanny as his kind of event planner helper. I did some wait staffing. And I did a lot of cleaning up his um, paperwork for employees and things like that too. So it was a really fun experience. While I was there, I found out through a good family friend that the softball coach at Brock had been fired mid-year for <laughs> calling in a fake bomb threat during a teacher in-service day, which is never a good idea. And so he had been fired mid-year, and I applied for the job. Interestingly enough, when I got over there, it was a Texas history job, and Um, the head softball coach at the time, because it was going to be spring semester. When I started, it was going to, I was going to start in like at the very end of December. And the (laughs) superintendent was like, do you understand that you'll be making less money as a teacher than an attorney? And I was like, yes, yes, I get that. Thank you. Um, So that's where I started. I was at Brock for four years. While I was there, I taught Texas history for seventh graders, which are Awkwardly the same as 11th graders and awesome in that way. Um, I coached softball. We won the state championship. I coached volleyball. I assistant coached volleyball, which is the funnest sport ever. If you've never played it, you should go play it. It's super fun. Um, Yeah. And then I brought my softball team over here for a game against country day and we drove on campus and I saw the pond and I turned to my assistant coach who is still one of my very dear friends. And I said, I'm going to work here next year. Uh, This is where I want to be. Interestingly enough, the job I applied for um, was in the middle school, and I got rejected. I got a phone call from Mr. Stevens telling me that it was it was not a good fit for um, what they were looking for. Maybe that was because during my um, classroom teaching observation, I threw an eraser at a kid who fell asleep, and apparently that was not not probably the best decision. Um, not an unusual decision at Brock but not the best decision over here but that night I got a call from Brian Farda, who was the history department chair at the time and he said we'd actually like you to come work at the upper school and so there you have it the next year I was at the upper school
0: so that's the life and story of Sarah Teagarden wrapped up into up one here. there you go so the next question I think is a little bit more important what is your stance on pineapple pizza? This is what the people want to know.
1: Okay, listen. So here's my deal on this. There are certain things that I will not eat hot. For example, when I eat hamburgers, I do not put, I, lettuce, tomatoes, no, gone. Lettuce and tomatoes have no business being on a hot food whatsoever. I realize what you're going to ask me. Are there not tomatoes and tomato sauce on pizza? Tomato sauce is very different than sliced tomatoes. And so how does this relate to the pineapple question? Pineapples are meant to be, at least room temperature, if not cold. If they are on a pizza, they are warm. That to me is insanity. So pineapple pizza will not happen in my life.
0: All right. Well, it sounds like you've thought about that more than the average bear.
1: A lot more, actually, probably. Yes.
0: So the next question is sort of a two-parter. What moment on a DC trip made you think, why on earth did I become a teacher? And inversely, oh, what moment reminded you of why you love being a teacher? Now, if it's the wrestling incident on why you became a teacher, you can go ahead and expound on whatever it was.
1: Okay. So a moment in D... There are many moments in D.C. where I sit on the floor in usually the hotel hallway at some ungodly hour of the night thinking, what have I gotten myself into? A um, poor Mrs. Wallace is... Almost has always been, except for a couple of years when Mrs. Jawah was my um, was my roommate in D.C. It's either Mrs. Jawah or Miss Wallace that are my roommates in D.C. And bless their hearts, they are woken up at all hours of the night when I'm dealing with stuff, and they have to deal with like me trying to process and decompress over events that have happened during the day. Um, I think it would surprise people to know how many things pop up during the course of the day in DC that I have to deal with. Um, and I think that would be very shocking. And I, I think that I love that. I love problem solving. I love dealing with that stuff. It's it's not something that I shy away from. It makes it hard to be a leader for a group in DC, which has caused me to kind of rethink that role when I'm up there. Okay, so the two questions were, what is an event that or a moment I can think about in D.C. that I was like, why did I become a teacher? I th- I am not going to go into great detail except for to say that the situation that happened or it wasn't one particular situation, but it was a, a series of situations that happened that, that made me shake my head and think about not why I became a teacher. I've never, ever doubted that in my life, but about being in DC in particular, actually had nothing to do with the students. It actually had to do with the other te- with teachers that were there and having to manage making sure that I'm clear on my expectations and I'm clear about what we're doing and where we're going. And you say those things one way to students, but when you're talking about your peers and who you work with, you say them a different way. And so that's probably been like some times... Moments where I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Okay, now, D.C. has actually produced way more moments of that's why I teach than except for advisory than anything else since I've been at Country Day. Advisory takes the top on that. for. uh, There's no doubt in my mind. Well, of course. Yeah, absolutely. No bias whatsoever. But there have been some very fun dynamic moments. So, for example, I still to this day – blame Merrick Decker for causing me to be addicted to the app game balls for about two years. He was sitting at the Lincoln Memorial. I sat down next to him and I'm like, what are you doing? And he showed me that he was playing. He goes, I'm playing balls. And I was like, "Um, I'm sorry, what? And then he showed it to me and I was like, instantly addicted. And to this day, I blame him for that addiction. Um, But at the same time, it's something funny that Merrick and I still joke about. Um, The year that my last advisory went to D.C., there were a group of young men who decided that it would be a really good idea to um, put together a fight club. Unfortunately, they had not watched the movie and they didn't understand that the first rule of fight club is you don't talk about fight club. And not only did they talk about it, but they also left the door open in the room where they were doing said fight club and mr douglas was the one that i believe just happened to walk by and catch the fight club happening at the time and then those nine or ten i can't remember how many young men it were and they were all young men um, got to spend the next day when we were in georgetown with officer peacock Um, and I think they actually ended up having way too much fun with him given the fact that they were supposed to be being punished, but I would probably argue that that was Officer Peacocks. He would say one of his favorite things that happened on DC too because they were really funny. Then last year, so when we group students in DC, we actually are really thoughtful about who rooms with who. So you guys fill out all of your sheets, who you want to room with, you put down anybody you can't, and then I sit there with Mrs. Wallace and we spend like four or five hours like rearranging rooms and putting people together to make it as enjoyable as possible for our students. Well, last year we had a group of young men that or not last year, two years ago, we had a group of young men that all want to do a room together. And I was like, this is either going to be perfect because they'll all be together. And if they do anything that they shouldn't, they'll all be together. Or it's going to be a disaster because they're going to do something stupid all the time. And I actually just like gave it to him straight. I was like, listen, I'm gonna let all four of you stay together. But I'm a little worried about this because we're not making the best decisions this year. And you guys are a little rowdy. And they assured me, nope, we we will take care of it. We will do what we're supposed to do. And I was like, Okay. They it was great because two of the young men I had not really gotten to know very well at all, and they were good friends with one of my advisees. And so I got to know them more, and it was really wonderful to get to know those two guys more than I had, especially because they are close to one of my advisees. So one night, I'm sitting in my room with I can't remember, I think it was Mrs. I can't remember who I was sitting in my room with. Actually, there may have been multiple teachers in there, and we were just chit chatting. I after believe it him. was
0: a Joao Wallace combo in your room at the time. <laughs> okay, that's possible. The incident <laughs> that's occurred. possible.
1: And I get a phone call from Henry Marlowe, <laughs> and what did he? <laughs> mm. So I get a phone call from Henry Marlowe, and he says, "Missus Tea Garden, we fudged up." <laughs> I was like, "I am sorry, you what?" And he was like, "We fudged up," and I was like, "Well, Mama Marlowe will be very proud that you said the word fudged here," and I was like. Tell me exactly what happened. And he said, "Okay, well, we were trying to leave the room. I swear we weren't doing anything wrong. There's a hole in the wall. And I was like, "Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to go ahead and get Mr. Douglas. We'll be up there in a minute. So I go get Mr. Douglas because we have a rule. If we have to go into a girl's room, I take a female teacher. If I have to go into a male's room, I take a male teacher. The male teacher enters first, all this good stuff, Right. And so I take Mr. Douglas up there. We open the door. I walk in. First of all, their room was incredibly clean. Not spick and span. Like, it didn't look like they had just shoved everything in bags. Like, there was stuff out. But compared to the girls' rooms, epically cleaner. I walk in there, and I was like, first thing I need you to tell me, is there anything in here that's going to get you in trouble? Is there any alcohol? Are there any drugs? Is there anything in here that if I search your stuff, blah, blah, blah? And they're like, no, 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 no. Absolutely not. And Philip Drez is sitting on the bed, and he goes, I wasn't here. When this happened, I wasn't here. I was like, duly noted. I'm pretty sure it was Philip, because I'm almost positive Humberto was there. Josh was there. And Henry was there.
0: Philip and Henry, or uh, Humberto and Henry, definitely, because they became the captains.
1: Right. And... And Josh was absolutely there because he fit the hole in the wall. And, but Philip was like, I wasn't here. I didn't do anything. I was like, okay, listen, you guys called us. That's the first right decision. Tell me what happened. And so they're explaining that they had been trying to leave the room and they were wrestling around in kind of like that walkway out where the bathroom's to your left. And then you keep walking out the door. And somehow Josh is back and bottom are next to the wall, and I think Umberto is the one that drove his bottom through the wall. I think it was Umberto, although it could have been Umberto, Henry, and Josh all in this very small space. And I was like, you mean to tell me that hole is from Josh's butt? And Josh was like, well, yes, I'll show you. And like, puts his butt up to the wall, and it is this perfect fit. Mr. Douglas is sitting there, and I can tell is trying so hard not to laugh, Because we realize now that they weren't doing anything malicious. They were just horsing around and it was an incredibly flimsy wall. And so I'm like, all right, first off, super proud of you guys for calling. That's exactly what you're supposed to do. What we're going to have to do is get maintenance up here. We're going to have to assess the damage. We're going to have to figure out how much it's going to cost. But it's fine. Like you guys didn't do anything you weren't supposed to do. It just happened. So. They leave, I think. Maintenance comes up. Mr. Douglas and I are there with maintenance. He's like telling us what's all going to happen. Mr. Douglas and I can clearly see that there have been many patches on this wall. Now that the kids are gone and we're looking at it, we're like, oh, this has definitely happened before. And so the guy tells us it's going to be like, I don't know, $200, $300 to patch it. But Mr. Douglas and I decide it would be way funnier to make the boys think that it's going to be like $300. A person to patch it, like y'all. Like this is all this damage that you've done. We kind of decided that, given who the four young men were, that it would be more funny to kind of keep the joke going about the cost of this and what. And and oh man, Umberto and Henry were so worried. They were. I mean, Josh was worried too. But I would say Umberto and Henry were far more worried than, than about what was going to happen and calling parents and the cost of it and all of that. And it was hysterical. Like, we kept it up for a while. It, it was pretty funny. And we learned that the walls are very thin in the hotel. Um, the previous year, we had had a ceiling leak. And the ceiling broke open. And there was water all over all the girls' stuff. It was a girls' room. It was Rachel Patton's room. And um, or I guess, yeah, a year before. And we really played that up with the whole class. Like the girls really wanted to play up like our whole room flooded. And it wasn't really it was like a bucket full of water. But we we played that up for them because it was a much more fun story at the time. But I will always remember Josh Wyatt's butt going through the wall in D.C. That that is a top story from D.C. for sure. Especially given the four young men that were in the room.
0: Certainly. So now we have a little bit trivia for you. Oh, gosh. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. So we have five founding fathers here, and I have five quotes from, or one quote per founding father. The fathers that you can choose.
1: Okay, wait. I'm sorry. Are you talking about Country Day founders? No, 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 no. no. Okay. Real ones. Oh, gosh. Oh, good Lord. Can we just, like, preface this by saying officially that I am a government teacher in the history department? Yes. Because Walker knows that I am frequently asking Walker and Alex Volpe, and always running to Mrs. Jewel's room to verify historical information. So feel free to judge away. I already know my own downfall with this stuff. There's
0: one here that I think you'll definitely get. So God, I hope so. Your father's to choose from. Thomas Paine, of course, James Monroe, John Hancock, Hamilton, and Jefferson.
1: Okay. I'm going to guess I'm going to get a, two of these right. Okay. That's my expectation.
0: So the first quote here is, a well-adjusted person is one who makes the same mistake twice without getting nervous.
1: Ooh, a well-adjusted person is the same person who makes the same mistake twice without getting nervous. Okay, is that the direct quote?
0: That's a direct quote from Alex. Oh.
1: Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I guess I'll give you that one. Alexander
1: Hamilton. That, I don't know if I would have gone th- the the wording of that.
0: It's is, very interesting. It's yeah. different. Um,
1: I would not have known that
0: the next one a little flattery will support a man through great fatigue
1: I don't think it's Jefferson I don't know enough about Monroe I mean Payne would probably say something like that only because he didn't get a massive amount of flattery all the time who was the other one Hancock I'm going to go John Hancock on that one.
0: Well, you'd be wrong.
1: Oh, no. What was it? Don't well, it was Jefferson. I can't because. Oh, because I can knock him out. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay.
0: A long habit of not thinking a thing wrong gives it a superficial appearance of being right.
1: Oh, no. I know. Is that Jefferson? No. Gosh. I've written that quote down. A long habit of not thinking. Of it. No, that's pain
0: you're right thank you thank, thank goodness you he got that one right yeah i was you like t-
1: i have written this down yeah. so many times that's pain
0: you could okay. not get a t-pain quote wrong t-pain
1: with me. you know that's i mean you would disown me you would disown me as your advisor
0: there his majesty can now read my name without glasses and he can double the reward on my head john hancock there we go and never put off till tomorrow what you can do today
1: dang it that's so. that's jefferson that's jefferson yeah, yeah. so monroe was the other one yeah actually not too bad i'll take it it helped that that i it helped that you slipped on the alexander hamilton i did i did i'll take it though (laughs) because
0: i was reading it uh, the way the quote's written i just so that kind of leads me to if you could ask any founding father anything who would it be and what would you ask
1: okay if i could ask any founder founding father anything who would it be and what would you ask I think, is Franklin, wait, who all listens to this podcast?
0: Uh, students, teachers. Does this get sent out to like the community?
1: Yeah. Okay, okay, that's going to change that question then. Yeah, yeah. I was no, going to Maybe ask, not Ben. Maybe not little Ben. I ask Franklin a question, but... He Lived a
0: life that maybe would not fit um, our no, core values.
1: Man, I know, no, he definitely lived a life that that would not fit our core values. But that doesn't uh, that doesn't take away from the many great things that he did. It certainly makes him much more colorful than people probably realize. Um, okay, you know what? I'm going to go for an obvious one with George Washington, mainly because I'm very fascinated with, and I'm not even going to go into. I'm I'm very fascinated with Washington and his childhood, and the impact of his childhood and the death of his parents and his siblings and how they treated him, the impact of that on him and how that really formed who he was going to become in the long run. And here's why. One of the things that I love reading in the sophomore class to the sophomores on occasion is there is a book by Washington called The Rules of Civility, and it's Washington's like rules on how you should behave on good behavior and civility, something like that. And he started writing it at the age of 14. And it's these it's it's like etiquette rules and things about how you interact with other people. And from what I understand, Washington didn't get the benefit of the same kind of education or the education he assumed he would get because of the death of his parents and how his siblings reacted with the estate of his parents and what they would do for him. I think that I would like to if I had a chance to ask Washington I would probably ask him to reflect on now this is given a context of the period right like people didn't talk about this kind of stuff back then but let's assume they did. I would probably ask him to reflect on what he perceived his childhood and his and his youth and i'm in really like age 12 and up how he thought it was going to go and how now reflecting back as an adult the way that it didn't go does, how does he see how that impacted who he would grow to become i think it's because young people are often faced the reason why i ask him that is not because i'm necessarily curious although i am but because i think it would be as something that young people could reflect on with this person who achieved so many things and who really tried to hold himself to a certain level of civility and how you would behave with others. And I think he seemed to do that really well for as much as we can tell within the context of history. I think it would be interesting for young people to hear that we're all dealt hands in life that we don't necessarily understand are going to be dealt with us and we don't know how to process them at the time and we don't see the the benefits of them at the time. We just see the, the detriments of, the, of them at the time. And so to hear people reflect on how that was different and how it ended up impacting him long-term, I think is really good for young people to hear that there that there's hope, like that things happen and they happen out of your control and it doesn't dictate everything about the rest of your life. But at the moment you think it does. And he definitely fought against that, or at least he, the perception I have is that he fought against that.
0: Certainly, certainly. So my last question for you, if you could choose one thing for your students to leave learning from you, what would it be? You have one thing that they're going to remember for the rest of their lives that you teach them. What would you choose? Oh,
1: God, there's two of them. There's two of them. Which one do I pick? Okay, I'm going to tell you the two I'm picking between. And then I'm going to tell you the one that I think I would go with. The two life lessons that or the the things that I say to students, they have to come up organically is drop the rock and quality, not quantity. I think drop the rock applies in situational at situation in situations. I think quality, not quantity is a very good general life rule for most things in your life. Quality of friends, not quantity of friends, quality of, Um, romantic interests, not quantity of romantic interests, quality of the books you read, not quantity of the books you read. Although some people would say you should read no matter what. I also read low quality books as well for enjoyment. So um, can't attest to that. (laughs) I do. I I do. That's mean, sometimes you got to escape reality, right? Um, I think it would be learning the idea of quantity, not quality. I mean, quality, not quantity. That is a really hard abstract thing that I think is really important in life. Yeah, which is not necessarily the most fun thing to say, but that, that definitely hits home for me. Quality, right. not quantity. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to say too, wait, how much time do we have?
0: As much as you want.
1: Oh God, don't say that. You know, I'll talk forever. The first question you asked me is, why did you stop being a lawyer and to teach hooligans? And I want to say, I want to be very clear why I did that. Being around young people and teaching young people is my passion in life, but I also firmly believe it's my purpose in life. I think we're all given not just one purpose in life, but many purposes, but we're really lucky if you can find and identify your purpose before you're so old that you can't enjoy that purpose. And I had the benefits of a supportive family and The ability to walk away from a lucrative profession where I was starting off at six figures and only going to go up and say, that's not serving my purpose in life. And that's okay. And I think that's most students don't ask me, why did you stop being an attorney to teach hooligans? Most of them ask me, why did you stop being an attorney and become a teacher? You could have made so much more money. And I think that and what I always tell them is it wasn't my purpose that was not my purpose in life and and I hope that I'm serving my purpose correctly and I hope that this is my purpose it certainly feels that way for me and so golly if you can find your purpose in life and your passion in life at a younger age you have so much more time to enjoy it and craft it and get better at it and grow from it and I was really lucky I didn't wait around and be an attorney for too long I said, nope, not it. And it's been, even during this hard year, it is still incredibly fulfilling every day to go to my job. Um, so yeah, that's the answer to the first question is why did you stop being an attorney to teach? It's because it was, I firmly believe it's my purpose and it is most definitely my passion, which doesn't make it easy, but it is very rewarding. Like this is very rewarding Walker Mm -hmm. to see you doing this. And to see what you're going to go off and do is really rewarding because I feel like this is your passion and probably a part of your greater purpose in life. So yeah, there you have it. This was a much more serious conversation than I, yeah, thought it would be. Yeah, except for tomatoes and lettuce and pineapples. God, tomatoes. that was an
0: interesting start to this one.
1: Yeah, man, I don't understand hot fruit or hot vegetables. Pie. Oh yeah. Pie a hot cobbler. I do cake like apple. to a degree. Yeah. But I also must say that one of the best things about being an adult is I once went to dinner with my sister and a girlfriend of hers was really pregnant at the time we went and ate sushi. And she I'm not going to use the exact language she used, but I said, hey, you're I mean, I was not married at the time. I had obviously not had children at the time, so I didn't. Curb my question the way I probably would now. But I was like, You're pregnant. Are you supposed to be eating sushi? And she, like, very calmly put down her chopsticks and was like, I'm not going to use her direct phrase, but she was like, I'm an adult. I can do whatever I want. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so true. And like, you're still responsible. You still are responsible for your decisions, but it's so true. This is how I feel about vegetables. I am an adult. I no longer have to eat vegetables if I don't want to. And it is so liberating. It's terrible. I have a horrible diet, but I don't have to eat vegetables, and I don't like hot vegetables. They're not going on my hamburger. It's weird. Is it not weird? Uh,
0: I'm. I, I load you up eat my tomatoes? burger. I load up my burger if it's free. If they're gonna put it on my burger for the same price, I get everything they're gonna give me for that price because I gotta get my money's worth.
1: I uh, see, but you're doing it for your money's worth. Exactly. It and doesn't I,
0: matter what it tastes like.
1: Oh, and see, now I'm also at the age where I'm like, if it doesn't taste good, I don't eat it. If it doesn't. Or I don't drink, like I don't feel the need. Oh, I paid for it. I got to eat it. No, I've stopped doing that You're not a
0: teenage boy is essentially what you're saying.
1: However, I do make my children eat it. So they are not yet at the point. uh, Well, actually, they only have to try one bite and then they can either go hungry or they can eat it. But that's that's their dinner. Um, But yeah, it's really liberating to be like, I'm an adult. I don't have to eat vegetables. Um, My girlfriends around here think that that's really funny and probably outrageous. But they also watch me eat lunch on a daily basis and it's not healthy ever so. Yeah, I am really surprised that I didn't get a few questions. I was really I was really expecting someone to have asked what the SCS stands for on our cups, because there's some of us that have cups that say that and everyone tries to figure out what it stands for. I was thought I thought I would get that question. I wouldn't. And you have wouldn't answered. have answered it. Never. Yeah, I wouldn't so. have answered it. No, I can't. I can't. I'd go. have to kill you. And then that's just not good. Um, But no. How is this compared to Mr. Cordell's interview? Different. I mean, how do you follow up John Cordell?
0: That's the issue. He's
1: a legend. He's a a legend.
0: Yeah. I do want to take this time to say thank you, not only for coming and speaking with me today, but for three years as my advisor.
1: Yeah, it's been fun.
0: Really helped me integrate into Country Day whenever I came as a sophomore. So I want to say thank you very much. This was the second episode with Miss Sarah Teagarden.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you.